We're going to go to a story which is... Um, it's been go- if, you're, if you're a Netflix fan and you've been following on uh, Netflix, then you may have heard of a documentary called My Octopus Teacher. And it's a film which was uh, put out a couple of weeks ago, focusing on Craig Foster, who also produced the film. And what it does is it captures a year where Foster spent his time daily going into the water and developed a relationship with an octopus, a wild octopus in the ocean. It's a fascinating documentary and uh, it talks to the concept of what makes, I suppose, even an animal, and maybe this is anthropomorphizing it, have uh, a a strategic engagement with a human. And when you watch the documentary, one's kind of like, no, how is this possible? But actually, that's the story. Craig Foster spends a year going daily into the water to follow the movements and engage in a variety of ways with the octopus. On the line, we have the cinematographer, Roger Horrocks. Roger, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure, Michelle. Roger, you know, one of the things I kind of wondered about this film was in the making of it. And first of all, I have to compliment you on extraordinary cinematography. It's beautifully shot this documentary. I wondered, though, did Craig go down into the water, develop a relationship with the octopus, and then come back and say, here's a great story? Because you would have had to be filming all the way along with him from the beginning. Yeah, so so, so it's actually, <clears throat> the, film, the film is very much an emergent film. It's, 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 I mean, that's kind of the, the word that comes to mind. Basically, what happened was Craig and I started working together in 2007. In fact, yeah. I first met Craig, I think, in 2005. Yeah. Um, we made three films together, Into the Dragon's Lair, which, where I was actually in the film, and Craig wasn't in the film. He was, he was you know, the, the director, the Foster Brothers. I mean, they've made Yes, yeah, they made films. The Great Dance, which was amazing. Correct, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, their their relationship with filmmaking goes right back to when they were at school. Um, so Craig and I became good friends. And uh, around, I think it was around 2014, um, I was asked to work on Blue Planet 2, which was a big yes. um, BBC series. BBC series um, yeah. And I spoke to Craig. He'd been spending a lot of time in, in, in the kelp forest. And I said, look, I'd love to do a story for the BBC for Blue Planet 2. Hello, Roger. Wearing octopus. Okay, we lo- we lost you for a moment there. You said you said you'd love to do a a, a kelp forest story with BBC on the uh, the the for the Blue Planet Correct. series. Yeah, go for it. Yes, exactly. So 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 Craig Craig shared this incredible behaviour of of the of the of this octopus because a lot of octopus do that. They actually do armour armour themselves. It's something that some of them learn to do. Yeah. So we pitched the story, and because it's quite difficult to film in that environment you know i i said to them well we need to do it over a two-year period um and and basically craig and i just you know we 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 spent i think we spent about 50 days in that kelp forest over a two-year period and of course i was going off to antarctica and other locations in between but craig craig kept on going every day yeah so it was really, and then the, the idea for the film only really came after that, after we'd done all of that work and that archive was there and intact. So that's really how we were able to, you know, have that footage. Obviously a combination of Craig's footage from going in every day. Yeah. And then that archive of footage that I'd shot with him over that period. 
So I, I want to go into the concept of the two years in a moment, but before we get to the two years, I was really struck by the the intimacy of this relationship. I mean, is it possible that an octopus, well, yes, it is possible because we see it, develops a no. relationship? I mean, at one point it swims up to him and almost, I, I don't want to say hugs him because, as I say, that's anthropomorphizing, <laughs> but it does almost do something of that nature. You know, the crazy thing, Michelle, I mean, it's something we've, you know, I've, I've obviously had the privilege of spending hours and hours and hours with all different types of species, bottlenose dolphins. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing that people really, we, there's, there's this term of Cartesian slumber, you know, way yes. back uh, Descartes split the mind That's and right. the body. You know, yeah. And basically put the seat of human reasoning in the brain. And the whole scientific tradition, this notion that one has to be rational and that we have to, we can't anthropomorphize animals. It, it just doesn't hold up. I mean, if you think of your dog, if you have a dog or a pet, pet yeah. they have characters, they have, you know, you have a, you have a litter of 13 puppies. Every single one of those little puppies is different. They have different characteristics, different natures. So, so why shouldn't that be the same case with wild animals? Yeah. Um, so. Okay, Roger, we've, we've lost you again. Okay, wait. Can you hear me back. Now? Yeah, I can hear you now. So I just want to jump in on this thing about the, you talk about the Cartesian slumber and at what point a human being has or human has reason. And this is interesting because it's something we were talking about last week. Is that at what point does someone or something become human? And I suppose what I mean by human is having empathy and having, uh, as you say, emotion and soul. And actually. Perhaps reason isn't the perfection of humanity, if that makes any sense at all. Well, this is exactly it, and I think you know this is this is you know we we I mean science in a way is a religion, it's a way of seeing the world. Um, and it okay, we really I don't know what the, the problem is, but we seem to be losing. You know what? We gonna, Are you losing me? Yeah, we, is it is it because you're walking, or is it because? No, I'm, I don't know what it is. I'm just. I'm, 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 are you? Did you call me on the landline, or is it on Wi-Fi? Yeah, we called you on your landline. So yeah. Okay. So let's let's give it one more shot. Otherwise, we're going to find another time in the next couple of hours to to chat to you. Um, Roger, when you speak about that, took over two, fifty days over two years. Now the problem, of course, is that um, an octopus life is no longer than a year and in fact I recently heard a radio documentary about a female octopus in the depths of and I'm not sure where I can't remember where it was but like in the deep depths of water and how she was sort of nurturing her 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 young to give birth to them and she literally went into an eight-month very much like our octopus in this particular documentary she went into eight months where she just didn't move at all and then that yeah. was it. Her time was up because once she'd done that, it was over. How did you manage to do that? As in film over two years? You know, as I say, it was it was Craig was going in every day. Yeah. He would go in every day. Yeah. You know, I had I had other shoots around the world that I was doing. So yeah. when I was back in Cape Town, I would then dip in and we would do periods of time, you know, together in the kelp forest. So yeah. You know, between the two of us, we were able to get the coverage for for that period of time. And of course, she wasn't alive for two years. But yeah, 
Okay, we really are having huge problems with this line. Not quite sure what the story is. We may try and get Roger Horrocks back on the line again. Uh, he's the cinematographer for an extraordinary film called My Octopus Teacher. And uh, it does talk to, uh, as Roger says, we're not just anthropomorphizing, but it does talk to the relationship and often um, emotional relationship that we have with animals and that animals or uh dolphins or whatever the case may be can have with us as well and I think uh, one of the things that I did want to talk to him about was strategy what was interesting was that uh, the octopus demonstrated strategy in ways which were completely fascinating at SAFM radio and at mesh constant on SAFM Roger, thank you so much for coming back on the line. We really appreciate it because uh, it is such a great story. Uh, I'm just going to capture this, the idea once again in terms of what the f- film is about, the documentary. My Octopus Teacher is a 2020 Netflix documentary, and it looks at the year that uh, Craig Foster, who uh, is a documentary maker himself, spent diving into the sea on a daily basis and developing a relationship. And I say a relationship because it truly is a relationship with an octopus. We spoke to Roger Horrocks earlier about the filming of the documentary. Um, Roger, I suppose that for you as someone who has spent many years, as you say, working with other documentaries and working with animals and filming animals, you must find it hard because one does develop a relationship. And that can also be very dangerous in terms of the making of a film or a documentary. Yeah, I think um, I think you know, especially in an underwater environment, you have to get close to the animals because, and also the other interesting thing is you need you need their permission, you know, to get close to them. It's not like when you film a lion from a car or something using a very long lens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that relationship underwater becomes actually very important. Um, and um, yeah, but I. I yeah, I'm interested in your question around why you think it, it could be dangerous, that relationship. So I am not sure that I think it's necessarily dangerous for for you, but I think that the danger would, would lie in, for example, um, one, if we look at my octopus teacher, there is an incident where a pyjama shark, is it, is it a pyjama, I call it a pyjama shark, is it a pyjama shark? No, that's no. right, exactly, that's, that's yeah. what it is, yeah. Which is because it's got the stripes on it, um, where a pyjama shark <laughs> goes for the octopus. Now, as a documentary maker, your role is to sit back and watch and film. Your role is not to get involved. Um, and that, yes, oh, and, sorry, you're right. and if you develop yes. a relationship, I can imagine that's very hard. And I'm thinking of that Planet Earth or um, that BBC documentary where the baby elephant is being filmed uh, from above, and in the sandstorm it turns to the left while all the other elephants are going right, and it's quite clear that that baby will get lost. And I mean, I was in tears when I watched it. And yet, as the documentary maker was saying, well, there's nothing they can do about it. They have to just sit back and watch as a journalist and a documentary maker. And that must be hard. Yeah, no, sorry, I actually miss, miss Reggie. That, that, that is incredibly difficult, and it's, it is. It's what Craig, I think, referenced is about, you know, crossing that line yeah. where you, you do become involved or don't become involved. But it also raises very interesting questions around, 
You know, and I, I think around man's relationship, or sorry, not man's, but humankind's relationship with nature, because, mm. you know, you touched on it earlier when we saw, we, we were discussing this whole um, uh, notion of how we, for some reason, assume that we are not part of nature. Exactly. That somehow we are, are different and that we are exceptional and that we are the highest form of, um, you know, quote, intelligence on the planet. And, yeah. you know, I really question that. I mean, we, you know, we share 95% of our genetic makeup with chimpanzees. I think it's around around that number. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, are you telling, you know, that, that chimpanzees don't have loyalty, don't have emotion, can't build trust? So it's really a gradient, you know, and I really like to think of life forms in, in the context, con- context of a gradient um, yeah. rather than drawing this very stark contrast between humans and then animals. I mean, we are fundamentally animals. You know, we, we are. Do you think that possibly um, our need to do that is because we end up, in, in many cases, eating animals? Um, I, I mean, possibly. It's, it's, and, you know, and obviously we are, what does distinguish us from other animals is, is our symbolic capacity and the need for quite a sophisticated kind of software, if you want to call that, yeah. in order to operate. Um, but, you know, I think that, 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 that this notion that we shouldn't get involved and that nature is, I mean, look how involved we already are. Look at the impact we're having mm. on all these incredible ecosystems around us. And yeah. we, we, we damaging them, we, we threatening them, climate change, all these sort of scenarios. So I, I, I think what, what I'd be really excited about with this film is, is the way in which it really forces us to rethink what it is to be human on a very kind of fundamental level. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a very intriguing, you know, that's the kind of hard work that we really need to do. In, because at the moment, the way that we're operating, all our assumptions about what it is to live a good life as a human are antithetical to the survival of the planet. Absolutely. Um, as we know it. Yeah. So you know, it's we a talk- very critical time. We're talking to Roger Horak, who's the cinematographer of the film My Octopus Teacher, a documentary about ultimately a relationship with a wild octopus. Roger, one of the things you talked about, which is is, is about this, um, as you say, it's not a binary. There's not like um, humans at the top and animals on the other side. It's more of a gradient. What's striking in the film is the fact that you start to realize that an octopus in its own right, has a very strategic way of thinking about going in the world. And I've seen some very interesting documentaries about sharks and strategy and um, orca whales and strategy and how how they've hunt incredibly strategically. It's not like they just go out and hunt. They're thinking about the way to do it. And there's a particular scene in, in your documentary where the octopus saves itself by doing something yeah. quite extraordinary with mm. the shark. And I don't want to spoil the sort of the narrative. But sure. what struck me about that was that uh, that this octopus had thought, if I do this and then I do that, no. then I will be safe. Yeah. And and that's very powerful. It's it, it really is. And one one critic, uh, I can't recall who it was, but describe the film as an empathy engine. Yeah, brilliant. And I think that's really brilliant because, you know, this is something, you know, I've obviously been very fortunate to spend a lot of time. A lot of people don't have that privilege of, of actually being able to spend a lot of time with wild animals. It's always mm. through documentaries or, you know, in the game park just watching or viewing. 
but there's, there's, you know, there's the empathy you develop, you know, when you start to see all these creatures as sentient, it, mm. it, it does challenge a lot of your assumptions. And, you know, you mentioned the whole, you know, the killing of animals and things like that. When you, when you start to look at, the, I mean, the number of domestic animals, you know, the, the, on this planet, I think it's something, I heard read a stat, something ridiculous, like there's about 1.5 billion cows or something on, on the planet. I mean, the, the, the number of domestic animals, you know, outweighs the, 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 yeah. in terms of the large animals, outweighs the number of, of wild animals. And those are also sentient creatures that are literally, you know, bred to, to be eaten by humans. So it's, it's, I mean, I enjoy meat, I do eat meat, but it's, it's you know, we are just at such a critical time where we have to really start examining a lot of the things that we've just absolutely taken for granted in order to rethink, you know, our relationship not only with with nature, but with with ourselves and yeah. other human beings, and that's something that I really enjoyed in Craig's narration. And that those those ideas, those really big ideas, started you know, starting to come through very strongly. You know, I saw an amazing picture of a um, of a chimpanzee, a, a young chimpanzee, um, sitting with a young gorilla, and they they, they were engaging and interacting. And what I found yeah. interesting about that was that here were two different species, maybe along, as you say, along the same kind of um, mm. line of, of, of mm. I want to say humanity, but, but they're different. Sure. And yet they were able to engage with one another. And it seems to me that we've forgotten that ability to engage with something which may not necessarily be the same as us. So it's like this constant othering, whether it's an othering of other people exactly. or an othering of yeah. other animals, etc. Because we're also animals on this planet. Exactly. No, exactly. You know, I want to close, Roger. Um, all my friends who've seen this documentary have all said to me as well, they've, they'll never eat an octopus again. And I want <laughs> to know, have you taken that out of your, um, out of your, 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 um, your meals? Absolutely. No, there's, there's no <laughs> chance that I will ever eat octopus again. Um, uh, no, absolutely I, no chance. I have to say, I'm with you. It's, it's, a, it's a bit like watching E.T. The other thing that I thought this documentary was a lot yeah. like was the story of um, Charlotte's Web. I don't know if you ever remember that. No, my, my mom used to read that to us as kids a lot. Yeah. And, and I remember there was a film made, I think, that yeah. was really wonderful. Yeah. I, I totally, totally think um, it's the same kind of story as Charlotte's Web, where you start to see the, um, and it's fictional, but you start to see like a spider yeah. and its relationship with animals, etc. So it like really made me think a lot about that. But an incredibly yeah. wonderful film. And as I said right up front um, at the beginning of this interview, cinematography is absolutely superb. So um, I'm assuming you did it in a wetsuit, even though um, Craig Foster was free driving in that freaking cold. Um, absolutely, and I, uh, I I also had to sort of sit still for quite long periods as well, um, while while Craig was swimming around, sort of looking and scouting and things like that. So, um, yeah, I was definitely in a wetsuit, uh, <laughs> and, and and I don't, uh, yeah, I, I, his his cold water tolerance is quite phenomenal. Yeah, I would say I'd like, huh? nah, Roger. <laughs> Thank you very much yeah. for coming back on the line. Congratulations on extraordinary, extraordinary documentary. And uh, as we look at sustainability in the world, I think that everybody should be looking at this. I think that uh, this is a, a documentary for SA Tourism as well. It definitely looks at uh, South Africa in the most phenomenal way.
No, it's, uh, thanks so much for having me and, and uh, really good really good to chat to you. Roger Horrocks, the cinematographer of the documentary My Octopus Teacher, which was done in partnership with an amazing project called Sea Change. And uh, if you've ever seen the book Sea Change with the photographs, uh, unbelievable photographs, underwater photographs, then uh, you will shift and change your life in terms of how you think about uh, what happens underwater.